0: Hi and welcome to MBS Academy's Real Lives. And today we're talking to Ruben Jay, who is the voice of radio. He um, is a red carpet voice and has appeared on many well-known shows such as The Voice, X Factor. And I can see all the wrestling um, badges in the background there. So how are you today, Ruben?
1: Oh, I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: I'm um, excellent. Thank you for coming on board. Today, you're going to be talking about your story of um, your childhood, your early beginnings.
1: Yes. Yes, I'm super excited. I uh, It's a story I haven't really said, uh, I haven't really told too much of. So uh, you'll be one of the first uh, to hear it.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. As you know, we do these stories because... Um, I think it's really quite important to share stories and experiences. It helps people to understand their own lives. And maybe you'll um, help somebody to face perhaps a difficulty in their life or to understand what's going on in their life a bit better. So tell me, tell me where it begins.
1: Oh, man, it, it begins uh, in... Orange County, California, all the way across the world, uh, from you, it seems Absolutely. like uh, you are, uh, you're in, in France, I believe, correct?
0: Yeah, I'm in the south of France. Yes. South
1: France, and uh, I'm all the way over here in in California, Hollywood. Uh, I was born in 1992 uh, to a woman named Angela, who uh, we'll dive into her story probably a little bit more in a little bit. But uh, long story short, uh, for that, uh, I was born and raised out here. I've lived in the same ho- literally I've lived in the same house for 25 years. Uh, it's amazing. Not, it, it's it's a, it's a rarity these days. It feels like that people live in the same house for so long
0: that's true for sure absolutely i certainly never have
1: yeah i have a friend who uh excuse me he actually was on my podcast and he was telling me he's moved i think eight times in 20 years and i'm like that is an incredible amount of time to be moving around Uh, i can beat that oh really
0: yeah I, i moved around 13 times in 10 wow
1: That's insane. Do you just leave things like packed? Because I don't know how you would. There's a
0: certain amount of truth to that. There's always um, boxes in the garage that remain unpacked. That is true. But it's very therapeutic to have a clear out when you move. Yeah. That's my excuse anyway.
1: It makes it makes some sense, uh, you know, because I, I think about, like, the cl- the clarity of, like, cleaning out your desk at the end of, you know, a certain product mm-hmm. or something. Y- your mind just, like, completely clears out. I can only imagine what it's like uh, to completely clear out your living area uh, and, and starting fresh.
0: Yes, yes. But then I also admire and, you know, there is part of me that sort of would like to be in the same house that um, I grew up in, to have those roots this
1: yeah. Nice. yeah, for me, um, I've been I've been very lucky to to. it's been a cursing and a blessing at the same time to be in the same place for so long. Uh, you know, the blessing obviously being uh, low rent, uh, manageable, yes. you know, <laughs> be able to stay with with friends and family who you've grown up with. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then obviously when the pandemic hit and, and losing literally everything that I had, uh, it was actually really good to be able to say, OK, at least I still have my childhood home. Uh, I don't have to worry about how I'm gonna pay my rent. I'm not I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, if I'm gonna be able to find food on the table cause I was you know my dad's still around and still kicking. Yeah. Uh, we were able to survive um, our portion of the the lockdown um, so far. so it, 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 and but you know, the negative of that is, not being able to see different parts of of the area as, or not getting to know different cultures or different parts of the country or the state, uh, as often not being able to say, "Oh yeah, I've i moved to," you know, it's it's interesting to hear people's stories about moving all over the world and all over, you know, even even just moving across mm. off uh, across the uh, the city. It's it's pretty interesting to hear.
0: Yes, yes. You said um, a moment ago you lost everything in the pandemic.
1: Yeah, um, I when. Uh, in February, I was working three jobs essentially full time, uh, doing marketing for one company, uh, working over at a radio station here in Orange County, uh, and teaching at the Academy of Radio and TV Broadcasting out here in, in Orange County, California. And uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, I was literally let go uh, from each job, one, you know, literally one day after the next. Each job called and said, Hey, uh, by the way, we're letting you go.
0: Oh, that's
1: awful. <laughs> yeah it was it was rough. it was rough and it was a, a really rough April uh, March April May uh, and then June things turn around again once things opened up uh, was able to mm-hmm. to get back you know working a normal job now um, but a normal job <laughs> yeah yeah no, <laughs> in the broadcasting or, or marketing world but one with uh, with benefits and you know retirement plan and actually pays the bills so so is
0: so that be the positive step forward?
1: yeah it's it, you know it's one of those things where um you know i've been in this industry now for 10 years mm. and uh being able to like be able to like oh i don't, I don't know how to explain it in a, in a way that would make sense to, to everybody out there but radio is really a dying industry here in the united states i don't know what it's like uh, across the world but out here it's really an industry that traditional talking to a microphone over the local fm transmitted you know signal mm. uh, it is an industry that doesn't really exist anymore. And right. for those who still work in that industry, you're making $12, $13 an hour, which, um, you know, part time with no benefits, no insurance, no retirement right. and no guarantee of a job tomorrow, unless you're the big names, Yeah, uh, you know? So I did that for 10 years. I struggled for 10 years and, um, you know, and I made a lot of money in the process. You know, I, I've all the money I made in the process was done independently, not through a big company, not through a you know a you know a partnership with you know uh, a, a broadcast company. It was, all, it was all stuff that I created on my own, uh, and I've I've lost a lot of money in the process. Uh, yes. And with with this job you know this new job i work in um uh, i'm not gonna say where i work uh in, in particular yeah. but I, I work in what they call an essential industry now mm-hmm. uh i don't have to worry about showing up to work tomorrow and then being like hey by the way the pandemic's back or you know everyone's being on lockdown yeah. so losing your job again we, you know they work through the lockdowns they work through the pandemic we you know i don't have to worry about if my you know I, one of those jobs i had uh couple of weeks before the lockdowns hit they're like hey by the way um we're having issues making payroll so uh we can't <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we can't pay your full wage so here's here's half your check uh by the way right. don't don't cash that till friday and then you're like dude you're already three days late
0: <laughs> you
1: know? yes uh so yes. It, it, it's once it's one of those things where professionally uh it's one step backwards and like going to a normal nine to five job. Um, mm. but personally and long-term wise, it's like 20 steps forward.
0: Yes. Yes. I can see that. That's, that's really interesting story in itself. Cause it's very different from, um, the experiences here in France for sure.
1: Yeah, what, um, if you don't mind me asking, um, you know, cause I, I I'm just curious from a, Strictly political standpoint, we don't have to get into the politics of it. But what is is, is the government doing? You know, uh, what, what is the government doing for people out there who are uh, maybe not not working right now or, or don't have really a, a solid income during the pandemic?
0: They are providing support. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was it came through quite rapidly. Um, you know, there hasn't been huge job losses. Um, so it was three months of support. That's good. And so when lockdown ended uh, it all virtually went back to, to normal
1: That's um, awesome.
0: from a work point of view, obviously there's social changes. Um, when lockdown first happened, it felt pretty hard because uh, we had to produce a piece of paper before we could even walk out our front door. Uh, if we'd just go shopping, we had to have paper, we had to have identity um, to explain why we were going. But with hindsight, um, it was actually a good thing because it made you think about going out, Mm. you know, sort of, oh, I need a pint of milk. Now I can't be bothered to sit there, fill out a form, (laughs) you know, the risk of getting stopped on the roundabout to produce your papers. So you really did organise your lives to, um, to do the least amount of going out. And I think it worked in the long term you know we're very low um rates of um covid here that's good life is almost back to normal
1: that's good yeah it's interesting out here because i feel like a lot of us used going to the store as an excuse to get out of the house yes as opposed to you know taking our you know so we would you know we'd run out of milk like you said uh You know, and, you know, you would think the the rational thing would be like, okay, well, there's a pandemic going on. So how about you wait till you're out of milk, cheese and eggs? Absolutely. Before you you leave the house. But you're like, you're like, oh, man, I have I have half a gallon of milk. I have to go buy more milk.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. At the Walmart. Um,
0: (laughs) But yeah, no, it did actually make you think about exactly that you would go it would then become a challenge to sort of go two weeks without actually leaving the house. And you'd see on Facebook, people say, you know, it's 116 days and I haven't left the house yet. Um, sure. <laughs> but, um, no, I think, I think long term, it, it's actually, has been a successful way of doing things.
1: That's good. Um, That's, good. That's good. Yeah. To hear.
0: Yeah. So getting back to your story, cause we've yeah. digressed totally, <laughs> which I think is great, but yes, <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you, I, I mean, what did you want to dive you, in?
0: You, you, because on your, your little bio that you sent me, you were fostered at a very young age. Yes. At six weeks.
1: Yeah, so uh, l- l- let me tell the story of, of, of Angela, who is uh, the biological uh, mother. <laughs> uh, she, she has an interesting story of her own. Um, and I've heard this secondhand, so... Uh, the information that I'm that I'm giving may not be 110 percent true, but I'm, I'm yeah. That it's, it's, it's
0: you, still your story.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's my story. Uh, how, how weird it is. But uh, Angela was born in in Texas, uh, and she was actually born to a a mother and grandmother who ran a, a prostitution ring out in Texas, and um, she was ultimately prostituted at the age of like 11 and 12 uh in this prostitution ring which is is super super sad and 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 it's it's weird to think that something that was going on 20 years ago with you know essentially you know sex trafficking and you Mm -hmm. know sex trafficking is still a hot topic today it's it's really weird that you would think that that some point that would pan down and, and there would be some steps taken to really Pull that back, but I digress. Um, uh, at the age of, of uh, twelve or thirteen, she was impregnated by one of the Johns who you know visited her and and, and yeah. took her for companionship, and that guy took her from Texas and brought her to California, and okay. she had uh, she had her first of, of many children. We don't know how many children she ended up ultimately having. Um, okay. I came, I believe, fourth in line. uh to a different and each person that was born was born to a different father so how uh,
0: how old was she when she had you if you were the four do you know
1: i i don't know uh the exact age Hmm. but i believe that she was 15 and a half when she had uh my brother who's two years older older than me so i believe she was somewhere between the age of 17 and 19. um okay and you, you gotta think too she started having kids at the age of 13. Uh right. time she had me, she still had a good 10, 15 years, if not 20 years, of having children still. So we don't know how many potentially more came after me. We know that there are at least two or three after me. Right. Uh, but there could be, you know, yeah. the way the body works could literally be <laughs> 10 or 20 more. <laughs> yes. Uh, which yes. is a scary thought to think that there's potentially that many of me running around or, or people with my blood running around. Um, and so uh to fast forward a little bit um she had two boys uh that are my older brothers obviously and Mm. she was on drugs wasn't able to uh provide a home for them yes uh and somehow or another got caught living under a bridge with with the two kids and they were taken away
0: Mm.
1: and as uh, the foster parent of those two started the adoption process Uh, For them, um, I was born and the adoption process out here in the United States takes about a year and a half to two years, Uh, especially when and if you're going through the foster system, it could take longer than that, you know, because the parent has the right to be reunified with with their children. And so. Depending on the judge and depending on the county and depending on the case. Uh, You know, you could theoretically be in the foster system for four, five, six, seven, eight years uh, before your case is even approved for adoption. Right. um, So uh, this lady named Paula uh, started the adoption process on my two brothers. I was born uh, and believe it or not, I committed my first crime at the age of six weeks old. Oh, wow. Yes, yes.
0: Your first? Uh, yeah. Is there another story there?
1: I mean, you know, a couple speeding tickets here and there, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I committed a crime at the age of six weeks. I was an accomplice to armed robbery.
0: Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> um, this is 100% a true story. Uh, my biological mother, uh, Angela, uh, was the getaway driver of an armed okay. robbery. And I was in the back seat, and yeah, when uh, which explains the speeding tickets later on in my life. Um, uh, so when she was caught, uh, I was I was taken away from her. I spent uh, don't know how long. I spent in what is called uh, it's called Orangewood out here. It's like a uh, it's like a halfway home, I guess for. for mm. kids. I don't know how long I've been there. And then I was ultimately placed in the care of Paula with my two older brothers.
0: That's really nice, though, that um, you were fostered in, in with, with your brothers. You could easily have been separated. At least you've got some, you know, sibling ties.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, although uh, we can, I can explain this a, a later, too, but I, I always tell people that I'm the youngest I'm the youngest of three but you know and and you would think that i'd have you know uh you know youngest sibling syndrome uh mm. but I actually i actually have only child syndrome um oh, okay <laughs> uh, because i grew up so differently and so isolated from them that it, you know it, it just didn't didn't really matter to me you know how many siblings i had right um so but i think it's important to, for me to state this as well and i, I this is probably the beauty of, of working out the story is i can Actually, work out the details on how I tell it too. Uh, Paula wasn't a young, you know, thirty-year-old woman who decided to take in some foster kids. Uh, She was a fifty-five-year-old woman who had raised six kids of her own already. Um, Okay. So she wasn't, you know, somebody who wanted to have kids and and couldn't, or she wasn't somebody who. you know, was just looking to give back. She, you know, she had had her kids. She literally raised six of her own, mm. uh, who, who, by the way, were, I, I believe the age difference between my older brother and her youngest son, I believe is like 35 years.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's more like grandchildren sort mm. of being brought up by a grandmother rather than a mother figure.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, she was our, our mother. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. She mm. didn't anything differently. Um, but we growing up, I mean, we would walk into parent teacher conferences and get immediately the teachers would be like, "Oh, it's so nice you brought your grandmother." No, that's my mom.
0: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, what's the age difference between um, you and your your brothers? Uh,
1: we're all a year a year and uh, I think we're all a year apart. Yeah, uh,
0: quite close. Yeah, very close. I mean, like
1: one right after another. My my oldest brother mm. uh, just turned thirty a couple of days ago. Um my my older brother Alex, I believe turned twenty-nine. Yeah, he turned twenty nine. And then I'm turning twenty eight uh, in December. So okay. um, you know, we're all
0: yeah
1: one right after another.
0: Mm. Yeah. Considering the close age group, um it's it would seem a little odd that you said you felt like an only child that you had only child syndrome.
1: Yeah. It, it, so uh, much like uh, much like Paula, my, my the, the person who ended up adopting us, David, uh, was my dad. Um, he was also you know a little bit younger than her, not not by much. I think like six years younger. Right. Uh, so he was older um, and couldn't handle the three boys. Um, okay by himself so what ended up happening was a lot of times whenever my mom needed to um, go to the store go to the salon go run an errand whatever she would take me because it was easier to take take me than it was to take the two other boys right so i got really first of all i got really close to my mom like i became a mama's boy like easily within minutes you know yeah uh, but yeah because of that uh i i didn't my my brothers and I didn't really get along all that well either, um, you know, tr- your normal brother stuff teasing. Yeah. Uh, but I was much more sensitive to that than than most other kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and just for whatever reason, it just didn't make sense for us to be hanging out too much. And you know, they were into into baseball and football and you know playing outside, and I was into computers and watching wrestling. As you can tell, the wrestling belts are behind yes. me. Um, and so so it was two like two different worlds and, and, yeah. and in reality uh, we'd end up fighting more than we'd end up getting along, even to this day we still uh, we get along a lot better now than we did before but you know mm. yeah, probably every you know, every eighth or ninth interaction you know, we start fighting
0: <laughs> Yes, yes, but I think that's pretty normal sibling stuff yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of people who would say the same i'm
1: sure yeah
0: yeah so obviously you know your story did you were you just told about your biological mother of you or did you investigate the story yourself
1: yeah so um i had grown up believing that the people i grew up with who were raising me were my parents yes so So when I was like nine or 10 years old, my older brother actually got in an argument with me, got in a fight with me and told me, Oh, by the way, you're adopted. Okay. (laughs) Well, it turns out. So was he, um, (laughs) yes. uh, And he actually, apparently he knew that, but, uh, I, I didn't know that at the time. And so, um, my mom had explained to me what adoption meant and kind of talked me through how, uh, I was born to a woman who, uh, you know at first when she started having kids wasn't having kids because she wanted kids she was having kids because she kept getting pregnant by dudes who were using her for her body mm. uh, and then uh once she had the kids did stupid things and got the kids taken away you
0: well know? yes um robbery being probably pretty high on the list of stupid things
1: with absolutely. a six-week
0: year old baby
1: absolutely uh you know and living under a bridge with children isn't the safest no. either, and <laughs> no. uh, um, you know I mean, but again, she was, she was a child herself, you know? She Absolutely.
0: Was, and she's got her own story, hasn't she? I mean, that's a pretty tragic story.
1: Yeah. Um, and to
0: be so young.
1: Yeah. And my understanding is she hasn't changed much since, since all this happened anyway, either. Right. So,
0: okay. Uh,
1: so she's still, you know, still a child in, in, in some degree, mm. um, you know? And I learned later on in life uh, as I, you know, the older I got, the more and more my mom would tell me. Um, and, and so I learned later on that there was a chance, there was a, a, like a minute where Angela was was clean. She wasn't on drugs anymore. She had found a job. She had found housing that she had been in for six or seven months. And by all intents and purposes, she had gotten her life together. So this is before the adoption process with me began. So what happened was my two brothers were in the middle of the adoption process. Um, when I was put into foster care, the county stopped the adoption process uh, in case I was put up for adoption, and they wanted to keep the boys, uh, you know, together. together. Mm-hmm. Um and so they, my, so you know, Paul and David, my, my parents, they 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 agreed to stop the whole, you know, um, process, and waited the year and a half for me to go through the foster system essentially. Yes. uh, Which included Angela being given the chance for rehab and parental classes and, you know, um, career counseling and, you know, just being given the resources that she, you know, was was due to her for the situation that she was in, Mm. knowing that if she completed all this, uh, the judge at the end of it could, could put me back in her care. Yeah. Uh, And the two other boys would, that would not happen with them. They were already being adopted out while the process stopped for them. It cannot be undone. Uh, so, uh, my mom got the call one day. Hey, she's been clean for a year. She's been living in the same place for the better part of a year. She has a job. We believe that she can support the baby. Um, get his stuff packed and and sometime in the next week we're going to come pick him up and uh
0: that must be pretty tough as well for your mom
1: she you know what she she when she was telling me the story i was probably about 15 or 16 when she told me the story mm. uh she she teared up
0: yeah know? okay and she,
1: like, and she told me she's like listen she's like even though you weren't my my child i raised you she's like yes. i she's like i i I taught you how to eat and I taught you how to go to the bathroom and I taught you how to come down the stairs. And she's mm. like, so you, you were my baby, you know, even yes. if you were my child. And and so, you know, and unfortunately that's, that's the pain and reality of foster, you know, fostering children. Mm. Uh, if you get them out of, at, a, at in, out of infancy, you develop uh, bonds. bonds and attachments. Mm. And I, my dad uh, would tell me and to this day, he'll tell me, Oh yeah, I didn't hold you when you were a baby. Okay. I'm like, why is that? He's like, I don't want to be attached to you when they took you away. Right. You know? And so that, and, and honestly, to this day, there's a little bit of a strain between him, not like a, an envy or like a, why didn't you love me when I was a baby? Just there was there isn't that attachment there. Yes. Uh, where with my mom, there, there was an attachment and there was, there was a very uh, noticeable difference between the way that my mom and I interacted, and the way my dad and I interacted. Mm. Um, so anyway, so she was told, hey, by the way, we're taking the baby. We'll let you know when. Uh, about four days later, uh, she gets a call again and says, well, Paula, how would you feel about adopting the baby? Four days. <laughs> so my mom cusses them out um, and says... Hey, you can't play with my emotions this way. You can't call me one day and tell me that you're taking the baby and then call me back the next. And, you know, a couple days later and tell me that or ask me if I want to keep the baby. Like, like that's not fair to me. That's not fair to the baby. That's not fair to Angela. Like you get, you get to to make a decision. Mm. And so, so the story goes, that you know, they, after they calmed her down, they explained to her what had happened. And what had happened was, um, Angela was told, Hey, you have to come in for a final drug test. Uh, because we want to make sure that you 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 know that you're still clean, and if you are, you're getting the baby back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she tested positive, uh, positive. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, part of me thinks to myself, you know, th- th- there's like multiple thoughts that goes through my head when I tell this story, and 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 one is, you know, did did you not love me? You know, like yes, to, to Angela, like like, was I? your least favorite of the children, that, that you weren't willing to put the fight up for me? Like, you kicked and screamed for the other two, but you didn't... Like, the chance you had for me, you gave it up. Yes. Uh, The other part of me is, thank God that you, you, you know, that you relapsed because my life was changed, in, you know, indefinitely for the better. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and the thought that I actually give the benefit of the doubt to for this woman is that she woke up one morning and realized, "Mm, I can't do this and sabotage herself and actually sacrificed, you know, her motherly instincts to make sure that I was taken care of in the long term. And that's, that's the story that I cling to.
0: (laughs) That that is an excellent way of looking at it. Uh, Extremely positive. Um, and I think that sentence alone will help people that are listening to this to be able to put a different spin on maybe their own story because you could definitely, and you probably have, gone down, as you say, the, the, the self-worth mm-hmm. um, part of that. But yes, and I think you're probably right. I think she probably did have a realisation that she couldn't actually cope and provide yeah. the life for you.
1: Yeah, you know, that's that's the story that I, I choose to, like I said, cling to because uh, the other two options, realistically, uh, one doesn't give credit to anybody, you know, mm. for, for what happened. And the other one gives negativity that I just don't want in my life, you know, because yeah. when mm. it comes down to it, um, you know, I could sit here and I could tell you, uh, you know, I can call Angela every word in the book um Mm. and i have at times um not not so much out of anger but just out of like i don't i don't need this person in my life um but but i don't want to be carrying that negativity i don't want to be carrying Mm. that baggage uh so i choose to think that in a sense i kind of martyred her in a sense where Mm. you know she she gave up you know her wants and desires for the the betterment of a child Mm. Uh, and well, I'm not sure if that's true or not. That's that's what I'm going to stick to. That's that's the side of the story. I'm going to tell my children if I ever have any.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think you should stick to that. 100% should stick to that for sure because um, you've, you've got a life mm-hmm. and it needs to be a positive, fulfilled one. It's um, Otherwise, you could be going, I'm half this person. And um, what does that make me? Yeah. So yeah it's huge cool. value in that positivity thank
1: you for that yeah absolutely and I think that a lot of people who have gone through either foster care or adoption or uh you know a parent walking out on them or a step parent walking out on them mm. you know they tend to think about what they did wrong as a mm. child yes. you know? and. of the times it wasn't, wasn't that person. It wasn't, wasn't you who did it, you know, like in that, that 0.001% of the times that it is that person's fault. It, it's because you were born and the person who, who had you or the person whose responsibility it was to take care of you didn't know what to do or got scared or just wasn't ready for the responsibility. And again, it's nothing that you did. It's their decision. You just happen to be the product, you know, and unfortunately happened to be the, the, the pawn in the game uh, Mm. that, that ends up ultimately paying the price uh, or potentially becoming uh, a phenomenon of, of somebody who's given a second chance um, Mm. or, I have a friend of mine who I I won't mention his name, but you know, if he watches this or listens to this, he'll know exactly who it is. Who's whose father left at a young age and left him and his sister to kind of fend for themselves with his mom. And he's an incredible, like he he turned into an incredible man. And I can't wait until the day that he has children uh, and a wife because he's going to show everybody that just because he didn't have a father around, that doesn't mean that he can't be a good father and he mm. can't be a good husband, uh, just because he doesn't know how to, you know, hang drywall because his dad didn't teach him. Doesn't mean that he won't make a good a good father or husband someday.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, that is about getting the positivity and making your experiences um, into making you a stronger person.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I'm a firm believer of, of learning lessons from every negativity. Yes. And, um, and, and you know what? Going through the foster care system isn't a negativity. Um, you know, it, it's it's an unfortunate side of life um, mm-hmm. for a lot of people that, that there are people in this world who have children who are either not ready for them or just do something stupid to get their kids taken away. But just because you went through foster care or adoption doesn't mean that you're lesser of a person
0: absolutely not absolutely not and everybody is unique and everybody has their own path in life and the foster system is there to improve life for children
1: Mm -hmm.
0: as you say it's about um you your biological mother recognized that she couldn't care for you and ensured that you were brought up in a loving adopted family
1: absolutely and and just because just because you're taken out of a bad situation and put into to an unknown situation doesn't mean that you're destined for failure or negativity or anything if anything, it's really giving you the chance that somebody who was making bad decisions for you mm. would have been able to give you. Um, Angela would have never been able to to give me a stable home that I've lived in for twenty five years.
0: Yes, yes, uh, exactly.
1: You know, I mm. never, I never once as a child went to bed hungry. Thank God. Yes. Uh, you know, I I never went to. I never woke up in the morning wondering if uh, I was going to have clothes to wear to school mm. or if, if my lunch money was going to be in my backpack. Um, thank God. Yes. <laughs> I was extremely blessed. Um, yes. You know, that doesn't mean I didn't struggle. It doesn't mean I didn't go through, you know, the same things everyone else does, but I got really lucky for all things, all being, being uh, a foster kid who who got adopted into a Mexican family, you know, like statistically, you know, middle class Mexican families don't really exist all that much. You know, it's really mm-hmm. difficult for, for you know, uh, Hispanic families in the United States. For some, so, so, so the stats say, yes. uh, you know, more times than not, you know, Hispanics and, and minorities struggle in the United States. And I was blessed that. I didn't feel the struggle until much later in my teens uh, after my parents had to spend thousands of dollars, uh, you know, on, on personal issues and, and the economy tanked. And, but I was able to, you know, again, I was, I was practically an adult at that point. So at that point mm. you can fend for yourself a little bit, you know, but as a kid, I'd never had to worry about that. So thank God, it was best case scenario for, for my yeah, life.
0: Yeah. If you have you've seen No Angela's story, have you ever met her have you ever had a desire to meet her
1: no i actually um i i purposely avoid her um
0: okay so so you know that she's around you know where she is cuz obviously you have a very current story about her
1: yeah i i don't i don't know where she is you know like at this moment yeah i, I know where she hangs out um mm. i know that she is still kind of involved with people that she shouldn't be um i know that she never really got out of the problems that she was in mm. but um i've had a couple of you know so, so you know the, the thing that uh there, there's two kind of things that happen there number one i was so close to, to paula um who was again my, my adopted mom that yes. uh i didn't need angela yes you know? Like there's some kids who, when they find out they're adopted, have this void they need to fill. Mm. And more times than not, in my experience, it ends up just disappointing them even more. Um. So for, but for me, I had such a loving mother that I did not need um, validation from some other woman. Uh, mm. I did not need, and, and not only that, but I also had, church family and 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 different people in my life who if for whatever reason Paula wasn't wasn't able to meet this certain need because of her age or her health, uh, I had four or five other families that would step up and and provide me that they yeah, had a
0: good support system.
1: Absolutely.
0: The other side of that is also you Paula may well feel hurt. Yeah. If you seek out your seek out Ang- Angela, and and uh, sorry
1: angela no your biological mother yeah my well so my oldest brother actually did seek her out and actually did kind of have a revolt after a while okay and, you know he went through this phase where i don't know I, I personally i've never talked to him about it um but i think he believed that that grass was greener on the other side mm. uh, and he had, you know, he says that he had memories of of playing with her and and visitations and stuff, and so he had a connection. Uh, mm. I don't remember, you know, that you were six weeks old, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at the, yeah. and she she stopped rolling, you know, she she stopped visiting once the adoption process for me started. So yeah. I, I was at at the oldest, two and a half years old.
0: Yeah.
1: So mm. my earliest memory is is playing with my dad not playing with angela so yes. so for it me ex- yeah exactly so, so for me it's not I, I don't have a connection to her whatsoever he did mm-hmm. he had a big backlash he, he uh for whatever reason had a disdain for paula that um he had he, to this day hasn't completely been able to completely reconcile um i was extremely close to Paula um mm. you know she if anyone you know she was my mom you know yes uh it, it, that's a that's a thing in like hispanic culture particularly i don't know if it's anywhere else but usually like in in American families they say oh mom you know M-, you know mom's gonna do this but it, in typical hispanic families you know every child says oh my mom's gonna do this even if it's <laughs> even if it's to your sibling, but, but yeah. she, just, she was my mom, you know? And mm. so um, I never once seeked her out, never once wanted to be a part of anything she had to offer. Uh, but then on the other side of that too, she never made the effort to get involved in my life. Mm. Um, I went 23 years before I ever heard anything from her. Okay. Um, I never got a birthday card, never got a Valentine's day card, never got a Christmas card, never got a Christmas present, never got a birthday present. Um, and again, I've lived in the same house for 25 years. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you visited us there at one point. Um, there was no excuse. So, uh, but on my 23rd birthday, I did get a birthday card from her and, uh, my mom handed it to me and she said, Oh, it's from, you know, she said, she said, Oh, it's from your mom, you know? And And
0: that was have to instantly put confusion in your head because Your mom is giving you yeah. cards from your mom
1: yeah so so you know my initial thought was you're giving me a, like what okay cool like a birthday card then I saw the name on the on the card and I just threw it in the trash I didn't even open mm. it you All know right. I, I had no desire to seek that out and um and and I saw the way that uh, when my brother did end up connecting with Angela uh, and he brought her over to the house at one point. I saw the hurt in my mom's eyes, yes. And I committed to myself to never, never be the person to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom and I can argue, we could fight, we can have disagreements. Uh, you know, we could have money problems, whatever that is. But I never wanted to be the person that hurt, you know, mm. hurt her in a way that she questioned her motherhood and her and her raising nine children that she rose, you know, essentially from mm. up. Plus having a daycare, plus also having wow. a kid for fifteen dedicated
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. mother. Um,
1: and so for me, it was you know, I never wanted to be that person. So yeah, I never seeked her out. And actually, she sent she sent a follow up letter a couple months later after my twenty third birthday, and that I did open because I figured if she's taking the time to write a letter, she might have something she wants to say. Uh, let me turn that off real quick.
0: No, it's it's an inspiring story and it's a very positive story. You know, from very dire beginnings, really from a tragic story, you have become a strong, strong person, very stable person with a a loving family. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I, I credit that one hundred and ten percent to to Paula. Um, I again, I was so close to her. Uh, that, you know, she at a very young age, you know, I was 16 or 17 or even probably even younger than that when we were struggling financially, mm. you know, and she would let me know, Hey, we're struggling. You know, she, uh, we went to the store one day and she bought like a, like a 20 pound bag of rice and a 20 pound bag of beans and said, you know, if things get really bad, at least we have beans and rice. Yes. You know? And I looked at her kind of like weird. Cause you know not growing up rich, but not growing up poor, just kind of one of those things where, like, we never, again, never had to worry about where the food was coming from. Mm. It was a weird statement to hear. Mm. And she mm. looked at me and she said, we're not doing well. Mm. You know? I was like, all right. But I saw her battle through that, you know. I saw her, um, you know, she lost her oldest son uh, in 2006. And, uh, you know, it nearly nearly killed her. Uh, mm. But but she fought through it, and she
0: she's obviously a very incredible strong person herself.
1: Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and it's one of those things where where uh, you y- you know you never want to see somebody go through pain.
0: Mm.
1: But I'm I'm thankful I did, um, and I'm thankful I did at a young age because you know, when my oldest brother died the next morning, you know, she woke up and she said, all right, you guys are going to school, you know? Yes. Yeah. But most families will keep their kids home for a day or two, Mm. you know, but for her, she's like, Nope, everything's back to normal. You know, just just because we're morning. We, I think, I think even, I think we lost one day of school throughout the whole process. And that was just because one of the services was early in the morning as opposed to an evening. Yes. Um, So, so, yeah, I mean, I, I I 110% give her credit for for the strength. Um, and I give her credit for the sensitivity that I have as well. Uh, mm. You know, she gave, she literally gave, you know, she literally taught me and, and turned me into the person I am today.
0: Yes. Yes. And did a good job. And she obviously yeah. was a very hard worker.
1: Was- yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I never, you know, never once didn't see her, you know, not, not working when she was able to. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. you know,
1: and even then, even, even as she turned, you know, into her 70s and, you know, mid late 70s, she would say, I wish I can go get a secretary job somewhere. I wish I can go answer mm-hmm. phone somewhere just so she can have a job, you know? And she's like, I just, I don't have the energy to do it anymore. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's fine. It's our job, yes. for you now. Like, <laughs> yeah, figure it yeah. out. We'll figure
0: it out. It's an excellent story and thank you so much for sharing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you giving me the platform to do so too.
0: Just to end, tell me a little bit about your current podcasts and you also educate other um podcast users.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um so,
0: producers would be a better word
1: than users yeah absolutely so um i i was employed by the academy of radio and tv broadcasting for the last uh, five years uh where i i train people how to get into both radio tv and also uh towards the end there help people launch some podcasts so um if if you are looking to to start a podcast feel free to uh to reach out to me. Uh, my email address is J. Therubenj, that's T-H-E-R-U-B-E-N-J-A-Y at gmail.com. Um, I'd be glad to help consult you through that process. Um, my current podcast is called You're My Best Friend. It's a podcast about life, friendship, and tacos. Um,
0: Definitely about tacos.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's Taco <laughs> Tuesday for me out here today. Uh, and, well, actually, it's the end of Taco Tuesday, but uh, I did, did have some good tacos. Uh and basically what we do is we bring on people who have interesting stories or are musicians and or entertainers or authors or, or, or whatever. Uh we bring them on the podcast and uh we let them tell their story, uh how they got started while asking them uh some essential questions that we have while we we say that we we do life with people, uh, mm. we talk about our friendships and we eat tacos together. So uh, excellent. That's kind of the uh the 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 one you know the one sheet there you can head over to lifefriendshiptacos.com uh for more information on that or head over to link dot uh no sorry link forward slash best friend podcast uh to find us on all platforms we're all over the place uh we'd love to have you listen
0: excellent and all those contact details will be available um underneath this video so they'll be easy to find Thank you so much for talking to me. I've really enjoyed it, and it's such an inspiring story, and I truly hope that it inspired and helped others to be as strong as you are.
1: Absolutely. I, I hope so, too. And if anybody – like just honestly, if anybody's going through something or if, th- if this helps you through anything, please let me know. Uh, yes. If, 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 I, if I can do anything for you, uh, I would. I will do my best to, to make it yeah. happen, make it a reality. Um, Absolutely. Because we all – to, to, to use an overused phrase for 2020, we're all in this together.
0: In, and it's true. And it's true. Yeah. yeah. And and technology makes the world a smaller place.
1: Absolutely. I, agree. I wouldn't,
0: wouldn't be talking to you now if it wasn't <laughs> for the internet. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate your time.
0: And I wish to thank everybody who's listened and watched this. And hopefully they will subscribe for more because there will be others. Absolutely. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks.